You are listening to Holding Space for Therapists, the podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Cassidy. And if you are listening to this episode on the day that it went live, so today is November 25th, 2019, then the doors to Modern Therapist Academy, my private practice e-course for all of you modern therapists, is closing tomorrow. So if you are hoping to take the leap into private practice, grow your business, or modernize your private practice, then definitely take a look at the link in the show notes to learn more about Modern Therapist Academy, which again closes tomorrow for enrollment and will not open again until spring of 2020. Speaking of 2020, this is the last episode of this podcast for 2019. I'll be taking a little break in December, but I promise you back in 2020 with new episodes and new content. I just want to quickly say how grateful and thankful I am for all of you listeners who have tuned in, subscribed so early on in the life of this podcast. I'm so excited to get a chance to share my conversation today with Vienna Ferrone. Vienna is a licensed marriage and family therapist. You've most likely seen her posts and her content on social media at MindfulMFT. And in today's episode, we talk about growth, scaling your business. I think that this episode is relevant to any of you who've been in practice for a while and you're looking to level up your business or scale your business, or if you are someone who is maybe recently licensed or in transition, I think this episode is for you too, because Vienna shares with us her story of how she transitioned from working multiple jobs and being an intern questioning if this is the career she wanted to pursue. We talk about the ways in which she made that transition gradually, the blocks that came up for her, the mindset shifts that she had to work through as she was growing her business. And I'm just really excited to get a chance to share her story and her wisdom with all of you. All right, let's get to the conversation. You're listening to Holding Space for Therapists, a podcast for modern therapists. I'm your host, Dr. Cassidy, and I'm passionate about supporting therapists and building profitable, sustainable, and meaningful private practices. Are you ready to build or grow your modern private practice? Let's dive in. Hello, Vienna. Thank you so much for coming back for me to record a podcast episode, this time on this podcast for therapists. Um, I loved our conversation that we had on the Holding Space podcast all about boundaries, and I'm just really excited to get a chance to share you now with the therapist community um, today talking about growth and scaling your business and what that looked like for you. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Always excited to come back again and again and again and again with you. So <laughs> excited for this conversation and hopefully it is helpful uh, and opening for, for those listening. Okay. Well, let's jump right in. So, you know, my my thought is that most people probably uh, are familiar with your work. So on social media, especially at Mindful MFT. Um, and I said this in the prior episode and it, it came up in one of the other episodes, I think with Whitney Goodman at Sit mm-hmm. With Wit. 
we were talking about Instagram, social media, and she's like, yeah, when I got on, got on I think the, the only person that I knew, the first person who was on here as a therapist was Vienna. And so we, <laughs> we got a chance to, to chat about you um, there. But yeah, for anyone who's listening, can you maybe share just a little bit of your context and background and what brought you to do this work? Sure. Yeah. So I am a licensed marriage and family therapist um, practicing in New York City. So I have a private practice here um, and a few therapists who work with me here. Um, And what brought me originally to the work and to the field was um, probably as many people, uh, they're my own family system and went through my parents' divorce and, and separation. Uh, I have on many podcasts um, said that their their separation process to the divorce was a was a nine-year process at the time. It was the longest in the state of New Jersey. Um, so there was a lot for me to observe <laughs> and experience with them. Um, I am an only child, so got very um, present to the role that I had within within the family system and sort of the back and forth um, component of it. And so, you know, from a pretty unevolved space, it was a, I never want this to happen to me. So I'm going to figure mm-hmm. out <laughs> how to course correct here <laughs> and, and make sure I have the tools to safeguard myself from divorce. Um, and mm-hmm. then to the much more evolved space of just seeing how beautiful this work is and how important it mm-hmm. is for us to be, um, you know, both doing it personally, but also um, sharing a about it and giving access to uh, to everybody in the world, like who who ideally has access to at least uh, the internet, which I know is not everyone, but um, mm-hmm. you know, to to start spreading some of the things that we can be thinking about or challenging uh, within our own sort of belief systems. Um, and, and mindset and just giving that type of information out to the public. So I love that you share, I love that you share that, that part of your story as part of your journey into the work that you do. Mm -hmm. I think that, you know, I think that it's changing, um, the messaging around this of like us as therapists being humans who, Mm -hmm. you know, of course have our own stories, um, and our own family systems and our own experiences that may have inspired us to get into this, you know, to this career and, you know, that we are doing our own work, you know, both we've done work prior and we're continuing to do work so that we can show up for others and hold space for others. And I just, I love that you, in sharing your story to doing this work, go as back, go as far back as you do in sharing that context. Mm, yeah. So important. And, and just such a part, you know, I think like you said, um, sort of challenging some of the messaging that we get around, you know, moving from that blank slate therapist to, you know, mm-hmm. a human being who, who has a story. And I actually think probably a lot of the people that um, you've spoken to, you know, on the podcast or some of the people who, who were, were connected to in, in the community um, on, on Instagram, you know, do speak so much about how clients really feel so much more connected to us, at least my experiences, mm-hmm. so yeah. much more connected, like having some type of insight into our worlds, you know, just a, just a little bit. You know, so many people tell me like, 
I just love that, like, I get that you're someone who practices it and, and puts it into practice. And I see that happening out there. And I like to know some of the details. I don't need to know your whole life story. Um, and I don't right. necessarily need to know exactly what coffee you're drinking. Um, but <laughs> like, I do really appreciate that I get to see you as a human interacting in this world and, and sharing a little bit about how you've come here because that blank slate therapist isn't, isn't for everyone. Um, so so yeah, I, I do think that there's a really fine line, of course. Um, and I think Brene yep. Brown said it where um, like, it's not about sharing the details like during the mess. It's about sharing mm. like when we're on the other side of, you know, here's, yep. here is some of the movement. Here is the lived experience that I can now offer to you because I don't need anything from you now. Yeah, right. exactly. And is it, it was either Brene or it could have potentially been Glennon Doyle. Mm-hmm. Anyway, but the mm-hmm. the phrasing of like being able to speak from a scar, yeah, not a wound, That's and right. like that that takes healing and that takes time and that takes work. Um, and but that like the scars are the scar can be there and we can speak to that right and that can actually be something that inspires our specialty or our passion mm-hmm. um but yeah and i think that you know there's also now a lot of therapists you know sharing how they are doing their own work or they have done their own work or are continuing to and i just think that the more and more that we're getting out there and and especially sharing those pieces right mm-hmm. um I don't know. I think the more and more that we're able to build bridges for others to say, oh, well, then then maybe this is something that I can do um, and that I can reach out and just breaking that stigma. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about the beginning of your private practice. So how did you transition into private practice initially? So I, I did, I was working for a private practice before starting my own. So I, I knew somewhere in my mind that that was my goal that I had. And, um, I set out to do that really from grad school. I I knew that I was working in that direction, but I, I think it's important to say that when I was when I was first working for the other private practice in New York, um, like there were many times where I thought about quitting. Like there were so many mm-hmm. times where I was like, this degree is not getting me anywhere because I got the job, but then it was like months before I even had my first client. And then months from there before, before the first client actually showed up, right? So there were like so many sessions in there where the first client just never came. And at that time I wasn't like, I don't even know if it was, if it was allowed or not, but I wasn't being paid for it because they didn't, they no showed. And so I was, I was traveling in from New Jersey to New York because I was living in New Jersey at the time. So I was like paying, I think it was like $17.50 for my, for my train ticket. Of course, I'd grab a coffee. So it was like 20 plus dollars in the hole. And then, I'd, and then I'd come in for my one session and they wouldn't show up. And that happened so mm. many times. And I, I do remember feeling so frustrated and so just like drained um, by the whole process and, and really getting to 
to a point where I was like, you know what, maybe I should just become a lacrosse coach. I, I had played lacrosse in, in university and I was like, I'm just going to start looking for, for other positions. And, um, I stuck with it. I, for, for many years, yeah. I juggled about five jobs. I worked at a restaurant. I worked at the private practice. I was doing substitute teaching at my old high school. I was coaching a girls lacrosse team. I was doing, um, girl, uh, lacrosse private lessons. And then I guess a sixth job was that I was running a lacrosse, um, like college and post-college, uh, like lacrosse, um, like every Sunday type thing. Uh, and I, so I was super busy, but I committed to, to getting my hours and I, and I did. And I, I say that part of it because it was not glamorous at all. And there was yeah. many, many, many years of like questioning it and really struggling through it and like work, like hustling hard from like 7 a.m. until, you know, past midnight. I was seeing like two or three jobs a day based on on the day. And, wow. you know, eventually it started to pick up in the practice and, you know, I was, I was doing really great work there. So, you know, I was building my practice, um, sorry, like the practice within that original practice. And then at a certain point, you know, I got the hours that I needed and I sat for the licensing exam and like, (laughs) thank God passed it. Um, you know, that was really nerve wracking. I was like, Oh boy, I don't know. You know, you come out of that and you're just like, I actually don't know. (laughs) You know, like, I don't know if I pass this or not. I mean, I'm an MFD as well. And like the the licensing exam, I mean, in studying for it, it was like, I mean, I, I, I think that it has evolved and changed since we pro- probably took it. Um, but it was like, you really have to learn like how to take the test. I was like, I was like, I, I know, I know this work, but like, I don't know if that's going to get reflected in this exam and I need to like learn how to take the test. Oh yeah. It was super stressful. Yeah. I mean, test taking for me was always, uh, was always a challenge and, you know, sure. Maybe that was like a limiting belief for me, but I really struggled in like moving the material from sort of like the book and, and like conceptualizing it to like, you know, therapy itself is just so different than that test. I'm like, I crush therapy. (laughs) Like I'm really good at that. But if you want me to try Try to figure out what you're talking about here on this page. I'm not sure about that. So, um, but right. and I don't get a chance to like see the client and explore their context. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, no. yeah, yeah, right. I'm like, I am just way too yeah. intuitive based for this. So, um, mm. you know, but I, but I did, and I passed it. Uh, you know, just I think really honestly by by a few points. And um, and once I once I did that, I think it was the next day. Uh, I remember telling my parents uh, that I was gonna I was gonna open open my practice. And they were like, well, maybe you should just chill for like a little bit, right? Like, do you really know what you're doing here? And, you know, I I did it. I, I figured out the things and I put it in motion. And in many cities, you know, for, for New York. And I think this is true really around, around the States. Um, you know, you can, you can rent space, but you do shared. And so I think I took two days to start. Um, and what Mm -hmm. I did was I actually kept working at the other private practice. Um, you know, this was agreed upon. Uh, the the woman knew what I was doing, so I I kept working there, and then I started building my practice on the side. And I, you know, I got a client, and then I got two and three, you know, and it just it started to go. And at a certain point, I decided that I was able to sustain and make that transition. Um, 
I'll, I'll say that even when I had my practice and I, I got rid of working at the other private practice, I was still working at a restaurant. I was still doing some of those other things. Uh-huh. And so, you know, I found it necessary for me to have income coming in elsewhere at that time for, for a chunk of time yeah. to just create that stability and safety. I was not, um, I was not getting help from anybody else. I did. I I didn't want that. I really wanted to to do this on my own. That was just my yeah. my commitment to myself. Um, and and so I I just I took it on. And you know, in the beginning stages, it was you know a decent practice. Um, I certainly was more flexible with, you know, sliding scale and people's hours when they could come in versus when I was available. You know, you really go in quite boundaryless <laughs> and you slide things all the way around. And, you know, I, I do think that there's probably a little bit of room for that when we're first starting off. Like you you do have to try to get some people in. Um, there's a point when that starts to shift and it's really beautiful. But uh, yeah, that, so that was that was sort of the beginning stage of, you know, just leaning into it, just creating it, and then making sure that I was sustaining myself financially in other ways at the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm so grateful to hear you sharing the story of kind of how, because a lot of, a lot of therapists will ask me, like, how do you take that leap? Do you just like go all in? Do you like quit what you're doing before? And I always share with them, like, well, first it really, like, like it really depends on each of your like your unique situation, right? Like for some of us, like maybe there is somebody else who can support us while we're making that transition. Like for others, it sounds like in your situation, there there was not that sort of like like financial security net. And so you had to sort of ease into it while also balancing these other other things that you were doing that were supporting you financially. I mean, gosh, living in New York, like, yeah, you needed to have that sense of security um, and that source of income coming from elsewhere. And Gosh, I remember in the very beginning, <laughs> I had a sliding scale, and like just to get the just to get clients in, like they well again they like and so many of these clients easily probably could have paid my full fee, but I would be on the phone and I'd be like, "This is my fee, and I offer sliding scale, and that's what that is." <laughs> and it's like, um, "Yeah, I'll take that option." You're just you like know? burning um, money you on the other things? side. Yeah. You're just like lighting fifties up, just like just give it away. Oh. <laughs> Like, like, seriously. And again, I think that came from, okay, because I think that there truly is, like, in the beginning, yes, like, I, I want to get clients in the door. I want to, like, at least be covering my costs. And I know that if, if I'm doing good work with these clients, like, that's, like, that's a beautiful way to build my practice because they'll go out and they'll tell, mm-hmm. they'll tell people. And that's, you know, word of mouth can be great. But I think that scarcity mindset of, like, oh my gosh, like I need all the clients. There aren't going to be enough clients. Like just sort of in that fear of like, if they hear my fee, are they going to walk out the door or like not, not book something with me? It led me to offering that slight, like that low fee to like mm-hmm. everyone. And, um, and I think that, you know, I, I could have easily found a, a more balanced way of doing that where I could have like, owned and honored the fact that like this is this is what I'm worth like I really do do, like I've gone to a lot of school at this point like I've got student loans like I have like a master's degree and a PhD that I've also Mm -hmm. got to pay off you know like so I think that I could have definitely unhooked myself from that scarcity mindset but it was it was definitely there and yeah it led me to like offering sliding scale like right off the bat to everyone and you know in the beginning I would also 
you know, it, I wanted to be really flexible in terms of like when I could schedule clients. Um, but then, you know, when you when you contract with somebody for a certain fee and they you offer a certain time slot, you know, over like that can work for a period of time. And yes, you can up your fee and like give them notice for that, like, you know, when when that time has come. But it was really, it was really hard, you know, and I think that it, I know that for me, it eventually was starting to lead to some burnout because I was seeing a lot of clients at a low fee and, you know, seeing clients during a certain time, you know, during times that weren't actually going to be working for me, like sustainably, especially as a mom. And so, yeah, I think that, you know, when I talk to therapists now, it's like, okay, let's find, let's find the sweet spot for you of like what, like really what you want to set your fee at, like how much can you offer in terms of sliding scale and to how many clients and like really what's going to work for you scheduling wise. And that depends on everybody's unique Mm -hmm. situation, right? Like depending on other jobs you have, other responsibilities and, and just also like personality wise, like some of us, some folks love to work into the evening and for others, it's just not sustainable. But yeah, I think in the beginning, there's a lot of like mindset shifts that I know for myself, I had to kind of work through and walk through. Um, And so, yeah, I don't know if if you, like when you think back to that, like what were some of the mindset shifts that you had to kind of navigate as you were growing your business and scaling your business? Yeah. I mean, I think it absolutely, the scarcity mindset is so, 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 so real from lots of different angles. It might be the financial side. It might be the, if I don't work until 10 PM, then, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to miss out on something. If I don't offer an early morning, I'm going to, I'm going to miss out on something. And, you know, the burnout, the like really running yourself ragged. I I mean, I was working from, I was seeing clients from 7 AM until like 9 30, 10 PM. I mean, it was really, really crazy for a period of time there. Like it was not well. (laughs) And I, you know, I, I played around, you know, sometimes I would do like Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and do like really intense days from super early to super late. But then I'd have Monday and Friday to, you know, have a slower day. I was like, okay, yeah, I like that. That feels good. And then at another point I was like, no, you know what, that doesn't work for me. And, and I, I started to spread it out a little bit more so that it was, you know, Monday through Thursday or Tuesday through Friday. Now I'm, I am in from, uh, a Monday through Friday. Uh, and I, I do see about mm-hmm. I do see about thirty five to forty clients, um, but I don't ever start before nine a.m. Really, um, and most days mm-hmm. ten a.m. And I don't ever go beyond five thirty. And yeah, gosh, yeah. like I can't tell you if you told me that years ago, there's no way I would have believed it. And listen, this is the this is certainly like in part due because there are a lot of people who want to work with me, and so I, I, I recognize that. But I I think what's interesting right. about it, like when I started to make that shift to say, you know, nope, I'm not going to do this anymore, and we we started to tell clients that. Like Vienna is only available now. I'm in New York City. I work with uh, you know a, a wide range of people from from entrepreneurs to people who do work you know your nine to five to people who work very late into the night to you know like all over the place. And and still, what I found is that even the people who have that most important job in the world, if they want to yeah. come in and work yeah. with you, they're going to. And that was a really beautiful sort of like awakening for me. Um, you know, the quality of the work that I do is great, and I feel very confident in that and and 
and so once I started to really feel and, and feel into my own confidence and, and trust in the work that I was doing, I knew that the boundaries that I were setting were really aligned with that. And it was like, yeah. I knew that I could say to the, to the CEO, to the, what, you know, to the athlete, to the, you know, whomever that I, this is, this is the only slot that I have and how quickly they were able to make it work was just, was, was really amazing. Yeah. So, I mean, Vienna, you have a really robust practice that is just, Mm -hmm. you know, I I imagine that like there is a steady stream of clients coming in, reaching out. What, what do you attribute that to? Like be like, so like one, I mean, I'm just going to name the first one. Like you are an amazing clinician who like has a reputation that like, you know, folks will will make those like scheduling adjustments Mm -hmm. to come and see you. And so, you know, I think that there's like that confidence piece and like obviously the clinical skill piece and like knowing that like you're doing good work and people are sharing that with others. Mm -hmm. And then are there any other sort of factors that you attribute to how you kind of established yourself and got those clients initially? Yeah, I mean, I think so. Thank you. That's a I appreciate the the compliment, and I do think that that's a that is a huge part of it. I always say that like you know you can you can do the Instagram page, you can do all of the things, but if you're not a good clinician, it's not going to matter. And so yeah, like making sure that the art form of of your work is really really good and strong and integrated is is really important. But that said, you know the other pieces are really important, and I did see that shift happen for me when my Instagram account started to to expand you know there was a very mm-hmm. acute moment when i remember that I, it shifted from me selling myself on the phone to the client and explaining who I was and here's the work that I do to people starting to call and say, oh, no, no, like, I know what you do. I just want to book a book a session. And, I, <laughs> you know, and it was, I do, I remember it. it. It stands out to me so much because it was just, mm. it was just this moment in time where I was like, oh, oh, wow. And it was like, hi, I'm Vienna. And they're like, yep, we know. And mm-hmm. okay, well, this is my rate. Okay. And it was like, uh, okay. And it was, it was everyone. It, it started to become everyone. And yeah. there was something really powerful in that. And I, I do attribute, you know, really uh, probably 95% of that to, you know, to, to social media, to, to having used yeah. my platform in the way that I did. And, you know, like you were saying about Whitney, I, I do think that I was probably one of the you know, earliest people, um, in, in the therapy setting on Instagram. Um, and, and so I was really giving something probably new to a lot of people who were using that, that platform. And what was happening was that they were following for, you know, six months or a year or more. And they then thought that they knew who I was, right? Like they were following Mm -hmm. along, connecting to my words and feeling like they had a deep sense and understanding of like what our work together was going to be like. It had sold them before they called. And then by the time that it was like, well, here's my fee. It was like, yeah, well, I owe you probably a year's worth of work. So, (laughs) you know, like, yeah, absolutely. I'm, you know, I'm happy to pay this. Um, And so I, you know, I do believe that 
you know, utilizing some form of, you know, social media to get your voice, your message, your way of thinking about things and breaking them down across so that you are inviting people into that space and getting to know you and what it would be like to work with you is a really mm. powerful thing because it has opened up so much for me. Not just like, okay, I have a full client load and a wait list that goes on forever and a, you know, like other therapists who work here and, you know, but it's like, it's the collaborations that I get to do. It's the, it's mm-hmm. all of the things that I get to do outside of the traditional therapy box. I get to go to a workout class, do the workout and then lead a workshop afterwards and fill that out. I get to put on retreats, you know, that are, you know, some that are international, some that are here, uh, that, that fill out, right? Like all of those things get full because of Instagram a hundred percent. Yeah. 100%. So, so here's one of the things that, you know, therapists who are just starting to step into this platform, into that landscape are sharing with me. It's like, I'm hearing this a lot of like, okay, but like, it's already like, there's already all, there's it's already been done. Like people mm-hmm. are already doing it. Like there's like, is it getting too saturated? Like there are people out there who are, you know, in from their perspective, like killing it. And so, you know, like where, where do I fit into all of this? And so I actually think it'd be wonderful to hear from you as like one of the like pioneers, trailblazers of this space for licensed professionals and therapists. Like what would, what would your response be to somebody who's feeling like, I mean, gosh, like, is there room for me? Uh, so short answer, yes. Longer answer is that like, we've actually all been just regurgitating the same information this entire time <laughs> anyway, right? And so when you start to shift that mindset that like, very rarely are we coming up with something that is just like so new that we didn't have access to before. Like, of course, we have new awakenings and we have new thoughts about how the field is shifting and moving and, you know, all of that. But th- at, at the end of the day, we're really like regurgitating the same information that's been out there. Mm -hmm. And I think what is important about that is that like, you know, if some of the people who are listening are thinking like, okay, well, you're one of the first people who got out there and you know, like, well, how, how can I do something different than you or different than all the other people who maybe have bigger followings there is that you don't necessarily have to do anything different. You just have to find your voice and, and your way of communicating it to the people who are willing to listen. Because why I think I stood out in in the beginning stages was that people began to connect to the way that I would break things down. They were able to, you know, most people when they'll tell me like, when I am reading your stuff, I do feel like you're speaking directly to me, but I feel like I'm just like in this conversation with you. And, and so I would say, you know, that's probably part of, you know, my art form or what maybe some people would say, like the gift of being able to communicate that, that same message, but to do it in a unique way that's going to land for people. Mm-hmm. How I do it doesn't land for everyone, it, but it lands for many people, but it doesn't land for everyone. And I think, you know, there are, there are a lot of people out there who are looking for this information. And, you know, I do understand that concern around it being overly saturated. And, you know, I think it's, I think it's important not to just say like, 
there's room for everyone and that's and, and period and go ahead and do it because the reality of it is is like yes there's room for everyone but when people are asking that question what they're really asking is like how do I get to the top right like how do I actually sort of surface because you're not like yes there's room for everybody but for many people it's going to be you know 500 followers you know it's like you're really asking how do I set myself apart and if I'm being really honest like yes of course you know coming from a compassionate and loving space it's like yes there's room for everyone but if you really want to set yourself apart you have to really get clear on what it is that your message is and how your voice is going to come forward that is distinct from everybody else because there are a lot of people out there who are you know who are taking a stab at this and there are going to be people who do rise to the top and others who whose voice is maybe not getting recognized and seen and you need to be self-reflective in that space to say, you know, what can I do here in order to make sure that this is landing for others? Right. Yeah. And I think getting in that, getting super clear about who it is that you're trying to speak to, like who, who are you, like who, who is your Mm -hmm. ideal audience member? And also what is your why and purpose of, of getting on Mm -hmm. that platform? If we're going to sort of focus on that platform as a way of, of marketing your, your work or sharing your voice. Yeah. Because I think that, yeah, I think that like so, so often, I think that even this whole idea of like scaling and growth, it's like what, like how, how each of us understand growth or what we, how we define growth or what we want to have growth in varies, right? And I think that I know for myself, when I get hooked into this idea that like, my gosh, like I, like growth needs to look like this one way or, I should be, you know, my um, my content should be more general and generalized so that like more people can relate to it. And for some people, like that maybe works. For me, like truthfully, I do have an ideal client mm-hmm. and like there is like a focus for me. And so when I give myself permission to just like hunker down and like do that work and speak to that person and like let growth be like authentic for me in that way, which may look very different from someone else. Like that, like that's like, for me, that's my sweet spot. And like, that's where like, it just flows from me, you know, like the, the creativity, the ideas, the inspiration. Um, But I think it's so it's, I mean, I think it's just inevitable that like Mm. comparison or looking to others to get inspired, but then thinking it has to look like that can, can hook us. And I think that yeah, so I think that it it really does matter. Like, what is your why? Who are you trying to speak to? How like what is growth, and like look like for you? And why? Why? Why do we want scaling and growth? Um, and I think that in that space, like, yeah, my my hope is that then you do find your voice, right? And that does help you rise above in in the sense that like the person you're trying to reach because you've identified why you're trying to reach them is able to like see themselves in the the content that you're putting out there and. That's going to build those connections, and that's going to build that like authentic growth. Yeah, the why is is so important because I think a lot of times, and especially now, people are really going into it because there is an attachment to what's going to happen on the other side. Like, I'm going to be able to fill my caseload. I'm going to be able to run the retreats. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to be able to make a lot of money by, you know, by attacking it in this way. And you know, if I can speak to my why, when I first started, I 
it, like truly my my belief was I'm putting something out there and my hope is that one person a day has a new thought. Mm-hmm. And that was it. And and listen, I got into this way before anybody realized what this type of platform could do for, for your work, right? So, you know, yeah. I had no idea yeah. where any of this was going and where it was headed. But I but I went into it and, and that is, you know, it's it is totally fine for, you know, the the byproduct to be that your caseload fills or, you know, you are able to earn very differently than you ever expected, or you're able to utilize like the beautiful benefits of like an online community. And, you know, like there's so many different access points there that that is absolutely what what can happen from that place. But if you need to do this so that you can make the money or, you know, sell the retreat Mm -hmm. or this, like that's where it's going to get really tricky. And you know, what's what I have learned so much from the platform is that the people who are following us can sniff it out really fast. Right? People mm-hmm. know like mm-hmm. where that energy is coming from. And so you really need to get clear on that why and make sure that you know the primary reason for you is a reason of service. Right. For me, it's like it is service mm-hmm. oh, first. Yeah. And then whatever it is that comes out of that is, you know, great. That's that is the cherry on top. Right. There's like there are so many things that come from that. Yeah. But make sure uh, that your primary reason has some connection to service. I don't need anything to happen from this. But if it does, that's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Nurturing, nurturing your audience mm-hmm. and nurturing the people that you are like, like nurturing that, like yeah. nurturing that, that connection that you're building with anybody who's showing up in that space and connecting with the words that you're right. sharing or the content yeah. that you're sharing. So, I mean, let's talk a little bit about pain points in growth because like, you know, oftentimes like there are, there can be growing pains. And so growth isn't just always this like joyful and smooth process. And so have there been any pain points for you in your growth as you've scaled your business that you'd want to speak to? I mean, I find myself facing resistance probably like twice a year there's usually like there's like two times where there's like this big <laughs> like i can feel that this like there's this shift that is required to happen and i'm just like arms folded no <laughs> and it's like like yeah. i'm like nah i don't want to go there i don't want to grow i really like my comfort zone this there's consistency yeah. here i know what to expect um and you know i think for me, it's been a really interesting ride. Like I haven't, I haven't generally had too many issues with like sort of honoring my rate, certainly in the beginning. But I think once I sort of got over that hump, I've been pretty good about honoring my rate and, and sort of raising it appropriately, appropriately. Um, but I, mm-hmm. I have had a lot of resistance to shifting out of the traditional, um, therapy setting. Uh, as I said before, I, I still see, you know, a really strong number of clients a week. I love the face to face. I love the face to face. you know, I love being in the room with people like, 
it's the bread and butter, you know, it's like, it's, you know, for me, it is why I, you know, I got into this and I've, I've stayed into it. And I think when I've had people challenging me, um, whether it's my husband or, you know, friends, colleagues, um, to, to think about ways to earn money that are outside of this, um, it's been confronting. Now, part of that goes back to a narrative that has, sort of held true my entire life is outside of just the like therapy world is that uh, you're supposed to hustle to make money. Like you have got to grind it out to make money. You don't get to just make money easily. And there, that one for me was so hard. I was like, but, but no, like you're supposed to really work hard for this. <laughs> and, and so like, you know, I'm talking about like the online things, the, you know, the first one that we went into was like doing webinars. Um, I have a course out now. So that was like a next level, next step up, but, you know, doing a webinar um, where, you know, I'd be sitting in, in my living room presenting something and doing Q and a for three hours. And, you know, those three hours I would earn what I would make in a week plus. And I was like, I don't understand. <laughs> like, wait, I, I, this doesn't make sense to me. Like what, like what's happening, you know? And, and like the system is just like short circuiting. Yeah. And I know that can sound funny because it's like, what, what's the problem? Like, that's amazing. Isn't that, you know, isn't that what you want? But- no, no, I, I absolutely can relate to it. I think that there, I, and I, I don't, I don't know if everybody maybe comes across this sort of discourse mm-hmm. or narrative or, or this hook, but like, I know for me in, in, in my family system, like there was definitely the message mm-hmm. of like stability and security is like critical and you mm-hmm. like, you hustle. Like my parents were um, public defenders um, working for the County as attorneys, both of them. And like, they were working like, yeah, 50, mm-hmm. 60 hours a week. And, you know, not making what a lot of attorneys uh-huh. make, but like it was like for them, there was the, the value of like you serve your community, social justice, stability and security by working for the, the county and the government and yeah. like you hustle. And like that was like, and you know, I have so much pride mm-hmm. for like the values that my parents have given me. And I found myself struggling with yeah when i when i launched my first course and i realized i made in that like in those first few days the same that i would make teaching as an adjunct professor the whole semester mm-hmm. i was like okay so yeah. <laughs> and like it's been yeah it's it's a uh, it, i don't know but there there was a sort of like okay but i don't know if i'm like what what am i willing to give up to see to really pour myself into this to mm-hmm. see it grow um to and, and is that okay like yeah it's just um it's a it's a it's a hook that in a block that definitely can come up mm. Yeah. I mean, I think one of the things I'm, I, uh, I love competition. Um, I've played sports my entire life. When somebody tells me mm-hmm. I can't do something, I'm like, all right, let's, let's do it. Bring it mm-hmm. on. Let's go. And I remember, you know, in grad school and I loved the program that I went to, but I, I do recall 
the narrative given to us was like, you know, you didn't get in this field to make money, you know, like, and, and that yeah. it always stood out to me. And I, I do remember like, you know, my pep talk to myself was just like, okay, challenge accepted. Let's do this. And I think that I, you know, am, am really over this idea that like therapists are not allowed to make money or we're not supposed to, or that there's some type of shame there mm. that like, you know, we're, we're taking advantage of people suffering or it's like, that's not it. Right. That's a bullshit story that people put out there who are stuck in their scarcity mindset, who are fearful of really challenging and pushing through and cracking through. And in fact, when you are tapping into your earning power in this space, then you can actually use your platform and do Mm. so many powerful things that are giving way more back to so many more people where it's actually balanced because you're honoring what it is that you are worth. And now you can actually give out to everybody else as much free content and material and you know as as possible and I like I hate that narrative so much I think it's sorry for cursing I don't know if the uh (laughs) the podcast allows for that (laughs) but like I, I do I think it's such crap and I think when I speak to therapists who are you know starting to come like come out of their programs or come into this space and I'm like you are absolutely allowed to make money in this space and and do not let people tell you that you shouldn't that you should feel ashamed of it that you are you know tampering with the foundation of what therapy is um you know there's a lot that's changing here and there's a lot of room to to expand and as just a quick like little asterisk to say the note like last night was my um my first free event um well, I've done free events before, but but this was an intentional free event that was donation based. Um, Nicole and I, the holistic psychologist, um, she and I talked about boundaries, family, and the holidays. And mm-hmm. you know, I have committed to using my platform in this way to do a free event every month that is donation based, and e- every single one of those dollars gets donated to um, funding great therapy for people who do not have access to it. And I feel so proud of that. And, but part of it is because I am set up in a position to do that, right? That like, I, I have the capacity to start doing these like huge group, you know, environment settings where, you know, people are donating whatever they can donate, but now we are able to give to the community in this really beautiful way too. So, you know, that's just a real life example of, you know, of it happening. Well, Vienna, I know you have a client coming in soon, so I want to um, definitely respect your time. And I'm so grateful to you coming on the podcast and sharing all of this with uh, with me and with us, the listeners. So where can people, if they aren't already, um, where can people find you and your work? And is there anything coming up in the future that you want to share with us? Sure. So yeah, on Instagram, it's MindfulMFT. Um, my website is NewYorkCouplesCounseling.com. Um, I have so much coming up. I have a retreat that is uh, just about sold out. We've got one more person, one more spot available in the new year. Um, and, you know, 2020's calendar, we, the team is just finalizing now. So, you know, lots of workshops in New York coming up, um, lots of retreats, couples, individuals, got a women's retreat also, um, mm. just tons, you know, just tons of different 
different uh, collaborations and, and panels and speaking events. So, you know, if people are, are interested or if, if they're ever in New York, you can always find that calendar on my website. So yeah, that's, that's probably the best place. And of course, Instagram, there's always a, there's always a post about what's happening next there. Well, Vienna, thank you so much. I'll be sure to share all of that in the show notes. For anyone who's listening, you can find those links there. Vienna, thank you. You are, I'm just so glad that we got connected. I'm so glad that I get to call you a friend and just so happy to have you in my life. So thank you so much, Vienna. Thank you, Cass. Same right back to you. Many, many dittos over. I really hope you enjoyed the information that was shared in this episode. Ready to build or grow your modern private practice? Click the link in the show notes for Modern Therapist Academy, a comprehensive e-course to support you in building and growing your private practice. Thank you for inviting me and my guests into your day. Be sure to subscribe so you can be the first to hear when new episodes launch. Have a beautiful, wonderful rest of your day.